Okay. Uh, if you were around a couple of weeks back, uh, we learnt a verse together. It's always a little risky, uh, testing people's memory, uh, but I'm going to give it a go. Uh, I want you to see uh, if you can remember the verse that we tried to learn a couple of weeks ago. So I'll start off, help you out, and then you fill in the blanks, okay? The prudency... Oh, better than the first sight, I'll tell you. <laughs> the prudency, danger, and take, but the simple keep and... Oh, a little weak towards the end. Let, let's do that one more time. The prudency and take, but the simple keep and... Ah, oh, strong at the end. I like that. Now, the basic premise of this whole series we're doing at the moment is that direction determines destination. Direction, not intention, not all the good hopes and dreams you have for the future. Direction determines destination. Now, we know that when it comes to driving or walking somewhere, it's pretty obvious. But when it comes to stuff like our marriage or our finances or who we date or our academic pursuits, our profession, all sorts of other things, we tend to forget this very simple principle. We, we just don't tune into it for some reason. It's like in every arena of life, there's a track we take. And each one of those tracks has a very certain destination. And what I've been trying to show you over the last few weeks is that for many of us, it's like there's this disconnect between where we want to be and the direction we choose in order to get there. And when we end up somewhere where we don't want to be, and we kind of scratch our heads and wonder how we got there and what went wrong, what's wrong is every track has a destination. And it's direction, not intention, it's direction that determines destination. So it's critical then that we make good choices, because decisions we make today have long-term ramifications. The choices we make in our 20s, they have a bearing on how things turn out for us in our 30s. The, the track we take financially early on in our life impacts on how things work out for us financially later on in our life. The, the track we take raising our kids when they're really young will have a dramatic effect on how they are in their teenage years. And unfortunately, we often don't know the outcome of our decisions until it's too late. Sometimes we're really glad with the decisions we've made. At other times, we end up with some pretty massive regrets. But in all cases, you can't go back in time and recapture those years. You can't go back and unmake, undo those decisions. So choosing tracks, whether it's relationally, financially, your career, how you entertain yourself, and all those things, is critical to make the right decisions from the very start. The problem is, we tend to be bombarded with a whole host of different options, different tracks, different directions, and we don't know the future. So what do we do? How do we know which direction to choose? Well, as I was thinking about this over the last week or so, I thought of one pretty novel solution. It would be for someone to get some research funding and come up with a database of every decision made over, let's say, the last century or so. I don't know, dating decisions, 
financial decisions, relationship decisions, parenting decisions, academic decisions, professional decisions. I mean, wouldn't it be great if somebody was to do all the research and put in all the decisions, all the outcomes, and form a huge spreadsheet? And we could just sit down and kind of type in the decision we're facing and what all the different options are, and it would provide a printout of the very best option for us. If we choose track A, the odds are it will work out great. If we choose track B, the odds are it will all go horribly wrong. Wouldn't it be great if we could kind of live our lives that way? Wouldn't it be helpful if we could get our hands on all the information to find out exactly where each track would take us? Now, on paper, that seems like the dream scenario. The problem is, I think we just wouldn't take the advice. I want to ask you a quick question. Uh, Let's just be honest for a moment. Here's my question. How many of you know someone who is really very, 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 very bright, who has made at least one very, 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 very stupid decision at some point in their life? How many people know someone like that? Keep your hand up if it's you. Okay, still quite a few hands up. I mean, most of my stupid decisions weren't made because of a general lack of information. There are times when you choose a track and 10 years down you say, I wish someone had told me that happens. But for the most part, we don't crash and burn because of the lack of information. I mean, how many times have you been to the doctor and they've told you what you need to do and a week later you've forgotten all about it. You're back on your old diet. You've stopped exercising. You you can't be bothered to take the tablets anymore. Or every time you make a reservation in a hotel, you're on the phone, you ask if they've got a gym. But when you get there, you never use it. Or you make an appointment to see a financial advisor. They ask you a whole bunch of questions about your finances. They come up with an impressive list of recommendations and you file it away somewhere and don't do anything about it. Anyone here relate with this? Me and Russ, we're in the same boat here. Not promising, we both work for the church. Now, a lot of the time, I'm sure there are others as well. A lot of the time, your problem and my problem is not a lack of information. If there was a computer somewhere that could just churn out printouts of the odds of certain decisions, that wouldn't guarantee that we chose the track that leads to where we want to go in life. Now today, we're going to be looking at a passage in the Bible that I think wrestles with this whole tension. And the thing that makes this passage so incredibly relevant is the person who wrote it. It's written by a guy called Solomon. And Solomon has a unique perspective on what we're talking about today. Now, just by way of background, Solomon was the third king of Israel. First there was Saul, then there was David, and Solomon was David's son. He was the third king of Israel. He also wrote three books in the Bible. First up was the book of Proverbs, which we've been looking at through this series and which uh, eventually we are going to look at today at some point, uh, the book of Proverbs. Uh, If you're here today and you've never really read the Bible, Proverbs is just a great place to start. There are 31 chapters, so whichever month you're in, there is one chapter for every day of the month, and it's just cram-packed with great wisdom. Start reading the Bible by reading the Proverbs. Solomon also wrote a book called Ecclesiastes that really you shouldn't read until after you're 40. Because if you read it before you're 40, you'll think, what's wrong with this guy? I mean, he's such a pessimist. But if you read it 
when you're 40 or when you're over 40, you think, that's just how I feel. Or so other people tell me. And then, and then he wrote a book called Song of Solomon, which you should only read after you're married or if you think the Bible is just boring. Anyway, the point is, moving swiftly on, the point is, this guy Solomon had unbelievable wisdom and insight into all realms of life. And the reason is, and this brings us to our point, when Solomon became the king of Israel, he was incredibly young, probably only a teenager. And what happens is one night, God communicates with him in a dream and asks him in the dream to make any request he wants. He says, if you want long life, I'll give you long life. If you want a lot of money, I'll give you a lot of money. If you want me to get rid of all of your enemies, consider it done. God says, just tell me what you want, I'll give it to you. And Solomon replies, quite honestly, I am so overwhelmed with the huge burden of ruling this nation. I've got so many decisions about things I know nothing about. Tell you what I want. I want wisdom. I want discernment. I want understanding. I want knowledge beyond my years. Here's God's response. It's not the passage we're going to be looking at for the majority of the morning, but it's important for us to get this. Here's God's response. 1 Kings 3, verse 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you've asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Now, I don't know kind of where you're at. You might listen to that and think it sounds a little bit far-fetched. Maybe you kind of struggle with kind of the whole supernatural element. I, I can understand that. I, I, I get that. But when you read the book of Ecclesiastes and when you read the book of Song of Solomon, And when you read the book of Proverbs, and and you think that just one person came up with all of this thousands of years ago, and you're overwhelmed by its relevance to your life today, you're at least going to have to admit there might be something to this, because there's a whole load of wisdom here for any one person to have. Now, the reason this is so relevant to our discussion today is this. If there was ever a person in the world that could have gone out and made decisions based on their own wisdom and intuition, surely it was Solomon. I mean, he was the wisest man ever to have lived. But when Solomon addresses these questions, these questions of how do we know what to do? How do we choose which track, which path to take? How do we know the best route to take from the start so that several years down the line we're not faced with an almighty train wreck? When, when Solomon addresses those questions, here's what he doesn't say. Or well, here's how I would do it. He, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I'll just draw on this vast supply of wisdom and knowledge and insight that God's given me. He, he doesn't say that. When Solomon answers his question, Here's what he says. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. And this is where we're going to camp out for the rest of our time today. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In other words, in every arena of life, every possible track, every single category, trust, that is, lean hard into, not your own wisdom, 
not your own understanding, not your own personal experience, but trust in God himself. Because the answers you need in life are not found in information and insight alone. We need to lean hard into God himself. Before anything else, we need to trust him. We need to place all our confidence and all our faith and all our hope in the person of God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Literal translation here is to prop something up against something else. Solomon's saying, your tendency and mine, and we struggle with this almost every single day, your tendency, my tendency, is to make decisions based on how we view things. And he says, don't do this. Don't live this way. Don't prop your life up with your own understanding. Now, I don't want to be exclusive, but I just want to say something to all the men here. I think we are probably the worst at this. It's like, in any conversation, we're out to solve the problem. We'll just keep butting in with, well, the way I see it, or the way I'd handle that, or what I normally do is. It's like, we get into conversations, and we just don't listen to the other person. All the time, we're waiting for a slight pause, so we can jump again with, well, I had that happen to me once, and this is what I did. Because our tendency is to lean hard into our own experience, and our own knowledge, and our own worldview, and books we've read, and TV programs we've seen, our own understanding. Now, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying we shouldn't aim to grow in wisdom year on year. I'm not saying we, we shouldn't gather knowledge from as many different sources as we possibly can. I'm not saying we should disregard our experience. I'm not saying we, we shouldn't listen to what other people think. But Solomon here, he's slicing this pretty thin. He's saying, even with all of that, all you know, all you've learned, all your life experience, even with all that knowledge and wisdom, don't make the mistake when it comes to the decisions of life, the tracks we choose, of thinking that I'm old enough and I'm bright enough and I'm cool enough and I'm careful enough to be able to lean on my own understanding. He says, even with all my wisdom and knowledge, every day, I refuse to lean initially on my own understanding, whether it's in business or romance or education or relationships or finances or whatever. Really, his message is incredibly simple. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't prop your decisions up with your own understanding. Very simple, but also very easy to disregard. As I was preparing this talk, couldn't help think about a trip that uh, the family took to Spain a couple of years ago to visit some friends. Our friends uh, out in Spain have recommended visiting a small village in the mountains called um, Frigiliana. And there you see it's on the map and a nice picture of it as well, very picturesque. So armed with a sat-nav, we set out to visit this place. And the sat-nav, it was brilliant. It took us right to the foot of the village. But then it kept telling us we'd reached our destination when it was obvious to anyone with any sense that the village was actually right there on the top of the hill. And so we kind of circled around the bottom of the hill a few times and the sat-nav kept trying to get us to stop in the car park right there at the foot of the hill. I mean, it made no sense at all as there was a road which anyone who had eyes could see clearly continued up the hill into the village. So 
I decided to switch the wretched sat-nav off and go with my instincts. I mean, I've been driving for 20 years. I knew where we needed to go. And if the road didn't take us quite where we wanted to go, we could always turn around and put it down to experience. And initially, it seemed like a great call. I mean, there wasn't any other traffic on the road at all. And as I'd suspected, it went right to the heart of the village. It was slightly puzzling when people started stopping on the side of the road and staring at us in disbelief. And I must admit, I was slightly freaked by this old guy who started kind of wagging his finger at me, but I assumed he had something against kind of foreign tourists or something. And so we kept on going. But the further we went, the windier the road got and the narrower it became. Now, by this time, Helen, my wife, her female intuition was beginning to kick in, and she kept telling me that really we should go back. The only problem was, by this point, the road was too narrow to turn round in, and although I am a fine driver, the thought of reversing two miles down this incredibly thin, narrow road, it didn't appeal, so we kept on going. Now, The only redeeming feature was we were in a very small hire car, but even with the wing mirrors pushed right in, we were still clipping walls on both sides. The worst bit was when we got to this point, a bit of an impasse really, with a flower pot that was positioned outside someone's house, and there really was no way through. And my suggestion to Helen that she should climb out of the boot of the car and then climb over the top of the car to remove the obstacle. For some reason, it didn't go down particularly well. So uh, I had to kind of keep sounding the horn until some passerby kind of moved the obstacle and we could keep going. It was incredibly humiliating. In fact, I don't know why I'm telling you the story right now. The stress is coming back even as I'm saying it. Uh, It was just a horrible experience. It nearly wrecked our marriage. Um, (laughs) it, It wasn't great. Now, if you think I'm kind of exaggerating this whole story, I actually came across this direct quote from an official guidebook, which I happened to stumble across after the event. This is what it says. As you enter Frigiliana, park at the bottom. Do not be tempted to drive into the heart of the village. You will end up getting stuck and very frustrated. (laughs) Now, look, I don't think I'm alone in this. I might be in terms of being that stupid, but I don't think I'm the only one who has a tendency to lean towards my own understanding. We do it all the time. We say, I can handle this. I've got loads of experience. I'm a man, so of course I know what to do. I I was a kid once, so I know how to parent. Excuse me, is that like I had surgery once, so now I'm equipped to operate on others. I mean, all the time, whatever decision we're faced with, we're tempted to lean towards our own understanding. But the wisest man in the world says, look, if you want to end up on the right track, if you want to know which direction to go in, you need to start off with submission. Direction doesn't begin with a search for direction. Direction begins with submission. Submission precedes direction. You begin by trusting God with all your heart. Which means, God, I'm not going to wait until all I've got in front of me is a host of bad options before I finally look to you for advice. I'm going to come to you and I'm going to trust you for advice before I do anything else. Because submission precedes direction. 
That's what Solomon's saying here. And then for emphasis, he repeats himself in verse 6. Verse 6, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge God. In all your ways, your financial ways, your relational ways, your educational ways, your professional ways, in all your ways, acknowledge him. I don't want to rush on here. really want you to get this. Not just in your Sunday ways. Not just in your religious ways. Not just in your misguided trying to earn something from God ways. In all your ways. In all your tracks. In all the paths of life you go down. Acknowledge Him. That means that you learn to live your life with God involved in everything. You acknowledge God in your relationships, in your finances, in your work, in your education, in your marriage, with your kids. You, you learn to acknowledge God in everything. You say, you're the Lord over my money. You're the Lord over all of my friendships. You're, you're the Lord over all of my career plans. You, you're the Lord over where I live. You're the Lord over what I do with my leisure time. You're the Lord over my weekends. I'm, I'm going to acknowledge you in every single component of life. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And then here's the promise. Do that, and he will make your paths straight. If you acknowledge him in all your ways, he will make your path straight. At the end of the process, he will make your path straight. Or a more literal translation would be, he will direct your paths. In other words, he will make the way plain. You will know which path to take. Now look, I'm aware that this whole subject of direction, it is a huge one. The truth is, God can direct our paths in a whole host of ways. Most obvious way, it's through the Bible. You, you want to know how to handle your finances? Maybe you want to know how to be a good husband or wife? You, you want to know how to bring up your kids? You want to know how to view your parents? You want to know how far you can go with your boyfriend, your girlfriend? You, you want to know how to conduct yourself at work? You want to know what to do when people hurt you or offend you or let you down? You want to know what the priorities in life really are. You want to know what God has called you personally to do, what God has called you to be. The Bible has got to be your starting point. It's all there. You want direction? Go to the Bible. That's got to be our first port of call. But God can also direct us in other ways as well. It's great, isn't it, when we get three matching prophetic words that all point in the same direction. And it kind of takes the guesswork out when every path shuts down apart from one. It's great when someone buys our house and offers us another house for free and a car and gives us a, a loads of other stuff. as well. I mean, it's just pretty clear that God's in that. But a lot of the time, it's not always as straightforward as that. So sometimes all you have to go on is a sense of peace that a certain course of action is the right one. Or sometimes, as did happen with, with Phil and Claire, kind of a year back, God starts to fill you with real faith for a particular path. Other times, there are a number of options, and God says, hey, they're all good. You choose. But the key in all of this is acknowledging God from the outset. It's coming to him with a genuine desire to submit to what he says, even if it cuts right across what you really want. It's being honest with yourself when inwardly you just don't feel that a certain course of action is right. It's not 
plowing on anyway because that's what you want. It's being honest with kind of what your conscience or what God is saying to you inwardly. You see, submission precedes direction. Direction comes when before doing anything else, we lean towards God. Now, I know I don't look old enough for this, but I've been involved in full-time church leadership for 18 years now. And as I, you could at least kind of, not laugh, (laughs) I don't know, need something to wake you up. Uh, A lot of the time, over those 18 years, when, when people have come to me for help, it's almost always as a last resort. It's like their lives are unraveling and they just don't know what to do. It's like every option is bad and they ask me what I think and inwardly I'm thinking, I know what you should have done a year ago or I know what you should have done two years ago or if you'd done this five years ago, it wouldn't be like this now. If you'd asked for advice back at the beginning, then all this other stuff wouldn't have happened. That's the beauty of hindsight. Looking back, we can all see how we could have made better decisions in the past. That's why God, who knows not only the past, but also knows the future, says, would you please work with me from the start to let you keep clear of those situations where you only have three options and none of them are good? God says, Would you be willing, before you have to come to me out of desperation and say, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? Would you be willing to come to me and acknowledge me in all your ways? Because if you do, I will intervene in your life and make the paths clear. I'll direct you. Listen, we do not need more information. What we need most is submission. We don't need more clarity. We don't simply need more insight and wisdom. From the outset, we need to submit to God. Submission precedes direction. Because, let's be honest, we've all taken good information and ignored it. But when we begin to make this daily decision, God, I'm going to acknowledge you in all my ways. Before I even need the information, before I even know what all the options are, I'm surrendered to you. God would say, I'm going to make your paths clear. I want to clear the way. I want to help you see which path, which track to take. But it begins not by asking for direction. It begins with absolute, total submission. God would say, acknowledge me in all your ways. And I just can't wait to make your paths straight. And then it finishes with this command. Verse 7 Do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Come on, I know you've been doing this for 20 years. I know you're a professional. I know you've got all the knowledge. I I know you've got the information. I I know you've got plenty of experience. I, I know you've read the books. You've been to the seminars. Hey, that's all great. But don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't think that that is enough. Because it's not. You know what the really interesting thing is? It's so sobering. If you know the rest of the story of Solomon, this is what it is really frightening. With all that wisdom, all that knowledge he had, all that insight, there was an area in Solomon's life where for whatever reason he decided, I'm going to trust here in my own wisdom. I'm going to trust here in my own intuition, my own experience. If there was anyone in the world who could afford to do that, surely it was Solomon. 
But the one area, the only area where Solomon disregarded trusting in God, chose instead to trust his own wisdom, that one area actually proved to be his downfall. He decided that rather than trusting in God to defend the nation, he would marry all the daughters of foreign kings and emperors in order to form some kind of an allegiance or alliance with a lot of them. As he saw it, that was the best way to defend the nation. And in doing so, he disobeyed God. He didn't lack information. He didn't lack wisdom. He didn't lack knowledge. But for some reason, in this one arena of life, he decided to trust in his own understanding. And it ended up wrecking his kingdom. It ruined his legacy. It divided his family. Moral of the story? Information is not enough. Wisdom is not enough. Insight is not enough. Even experience isn't enough. We need God. Now here's why I think we all tend to fall at some point in our lives into this trap that Solomon fell into. Here's why we at times disregard God and trust in our own wisdom. That's what I jotted down as I was thinking about this story. Three simple phrases. Number one, pride eventually overrides wisdom. Number two, arrogance eventually overrides common sense. Number three, self-importance eventually overrides discernment. That's why smart people make stupid mistakes, stupid decisions. That's why you have made decisions and looking back you go, why did I do that? It's like you knew better because pride eventually overrides wisdom. In our arrogance, we think in this one area we know best. We're we're so consumed with our own self-importance that we become blind. Stop being able to see what's just plain obvious to everyone else. We we think we're being clever. The truth is, we're just being foolish. If we think all we need is more information, more wisdom, more insight, then the story and legacy of Solomon is, that really isn't enough. What you really need is God. You, You need an attitude of dependence on him. You need to acknowledge him in every single one of your ways. And when you do that, God would say, I'll direct your paths. I'll make it clear for you. I'll make it evident what I want you to do. And here's the question that I want to leave you with before we pick this up again in a couple of weeks' time. Here's the question. Has there ever been a time in your life when you have acknowledged God in all your ways? Has there ever been a time in your life when you've acknowledged God in all your ways? If you're a Christian, you've acknowledged God for your salvation. I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. What what control have you got over what happens to you when you die? That would be zero. So so what so many of us tend to do is we, we take an area like our salvation where we have no control and we say, God, I want to trust you for that area. I want to trust you for my salvation. And God's going, and your options are what precisely? Well, 
There aren't any. I mean, this is something I have no control over. So I'm going to let you control it. And God's like, thanks so much. That's so honoring of me. Or if you're a parent, you pray, please protect my children. Or please let them sleep through the night. Please let them get into that particular school. Why do we pray those prayers? Because I've got no control over it. So once again, I want to entrust into your care something over which I have absolutely no control. We do that all the time. That's not what this message is all about today. This is about God. I realize I'm pretty smart in this area, but I realize that's not enough. God, I've got 20 plus years experience in this area, but I need you as though I had no experience. God, I'm a professional. People come to me for advice in this arena, but I'm dependent on you as though I knew nothing about it. I'm acknowledging you even in the areas where I think I exercise control because I realize when I begin to trust in my own judgment, when I begin to exercise control, eventually my pride, my arrogance, my sense of self-importance will begin to override and eventually trump even the wisdom and experience that you've given me. This is about acknowledging that I have the potential to make rubbish decisions when I think I know better and start depending on myself. So here's my question. Taking out of the mix all the things, all the areas over which you have no control anyway, have you ever acknowledged God in those other ways? Have you ever surrendered the things that you like to control to the control of God? Because this is where Christianity gets real. This is where it gets extremely practical. This is where we get to experience God in ways we never have before. This is where we lean completely on God. And where he goes, we go. That's the way he wants all of us to live. So let me ask you, have you acknowledged him like that in your marriage? Have you acknowledged him like that with your finances? Have you acknowledged him like that in your profession? Have you ever acknowledged him like that with your future? Have you acknowledged him like that with your boyfriend or your girlfriend? Maybe you're a student here and you're coming close to the end of your degree and you have your plans of how things might work out all mapped out in front of you. Have you ever said to God, God, I'm willing to do whatever you have for me, even if it isn't what I would have thought of? Because if you don't, by leaning on your own understanding, you'll eventually, either knowingly or unknowingly, choose a track that takes you where you don't want to go. And when you're faced with three options and they're all bad, God will be there for you. It's not like he'll smite you or turn his back on you. It's just he'll be brokenhearted that you didn't look to him sooner because it didn't have to be this way. And so right now, He's calling you to make a decision in light of that day to avoid that day. He's calling you simply to say, God, I'm acknowledging you in all my ways. Whether I'm a professional or know nothing at all. Whether I'm wise or clueless. Whether it's an area which I control or not. 
I acknowledge you. So here's the question I want you to find the time over the next week to answer. It's a defining question. Why am I so afraid to acknowledge God in some areas of my life? Why am I so afraid to acknowledge God in the areas where I think I've got some control? Why do I only acknowledge him in areas where I have no control? Why am I so afraid to acknowledge God in some areas of my life? Because discovering the answer to that question may be the next step in you reaching the destination that God has for you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight do not be wise in your own eyes let's pray